When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome into the latest Tech Sideline podcast. Originating from TSL's high tech studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center, whether you're watching or listening live or archive, we are so glad you could join us today as we record on Wednesday, October 2nd, and preview Virginia Tech and Miami. That'll kick off at 3.30 on Saturday in South Florida. Our crew today, we've got Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes producing on the podcast set, our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and head honcho, Will Stewart, and I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. Again, so glad everybody could be with us today on the Tech Sideline Podcast. A reminder that this week and every week, the TSL Podcast is presented by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. From their offices in Blacksburg and Roanoke, the Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. To date, the firm has defended more than 30,000 people charged with moving violations. For free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll free at 1-800-680-7031. Again, that's 1-800-680-7031 or you can email them at info at fisherlegal.com. Gentlemen, good morning. Great to be back with you guys as always. How's everything going? I'm exhausted. Just a, uh, <clears throat> So this kind of is the first topic of discussion. Well, first of all, we have a gnome over there now. <laughs> if you're watching the video, if you're listening on the podcast, you can't see the gnome clearly. But uh, we were doing some work on cleaning out my parents' house this weekend and uh, – the gnome surfaced. I, I feel a little bit like I'm watching a Travelocity commercial, but uh, <laughs> uh, so we got him over there on the table between Evan and Chris, and um, I think it would be funnier. He's like he's like he's kind of going like this with his eyes closed. I think it'd be funnier if he had his eyes open, because I'd point him at one of you guys, you know, like <laughs> you know, like you get stared at by your dog or your cat when it's time to be fed. <laughs> and he is a gnome, but I feel like calling him a troll because uh, a troll has been. My goodness, one of the uh, one of the words of the week, I guess, with with the way the football team's playing. There's trolls everywhere: message boards, Facebook, uh, Twitter. It's it's exhausting just the the amount of negative energy around the program right now. Yeah, absolutely. CC, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Playoff mm-hmm. baseball's upon us. I know you're excited about that. Yeah, all my other teams have had a horrible sports week though, so the Braves are going to get swept. So the Braves are in it though. Oh, yeah, they won the division. Did they, they win the division? Like two weeks ago. Yeah. Right. Well, I want to kind of go back to what Will's saying. That's kind of how we're going to start off the Tech Sideline podcast today. It's just kind of about a couple of words. Energy, uh, the fan base, message boards. Will's definitely been a little more negative than it has been in previous <laughs> weeks. So pe- people are always like, uh, um, <clears throat> when when something really good or something really bad happens, they always talk about how, how is it for business for Tech Sideline. And it's uh, when when things are going south, it's good for ad revenue because people pile into the message boards to complain. So you know we get a we get more page views than usual. We get we get more ad revenue. Like one of our highest uh, ad revenue days of the 2018 season, <clears throat> excuse me, was the uh, was the day Tech lost to Old Dominion. 
And then the follow-up Monday to that, those were definitely two of the biggest days in September of last year. What were the page views the day Marcus Vick got kicked off the team? What oh, astronomical? Man. I don't even – so uh, it, it's, it's kind of an apples and oranges thing. But, uh, you know, back before social media came along, back before there was Facebook and Twitter, uh, our message boards would get a tremendous amount of traffic. And uh, I remember – it was probably the Marcus Vic day. I probably went and counted this up. So back then, you know, we have multiple message boards. We have a football board and the lounge and a subscriber board and all that stuff. And back then I used to be able to uh, fairly easily in a day see how many posts you were getting on any individual board. Okay. And uh, the day that Marcus Vic got kicked off the team, we got almost 5,000 posts on the football board alone. And then there were another couple thousand on the subscriber board, just enormous numbers of posts, the board scrolling so fast that I, it, I don't know what it was like. It was watching like 500 people in a chat room all chatting at once. It was just nuts. Um, so anyway, it's uh, uh, bad times are good for ad revenue, but bad for subscriptions and good times are good for subscriptions. And, you know, Anytime like a big victory happens, you get a pile into the boards and everybody's happy, but they don't hang around to talk about it as much as they do the negative stuff, you know. So, but ironically, uh, I, I say that, but yet subscriptions, we had a good month in September, you know, even with everything going on. And I, I think that's, I think part of that is, you know, we're getting out there so many different ways now. We've got the podcast that just, by the way, those of you that listen to the podcast, uh, we really appreciate the support. Um, and watching, too. Yeah, and watching. Um, you know, our podcast, when we first started doing it, used to get about 16, 1,700 downloads on SoundCloud. We are consistently close to 2,500 now. And, uh, and Monday's podcast, you looked at it, and what were the figures for it? Uh, over 3,800 people listened alone on SoundCloud, 4,000 people watched on Facebook, right. and then over 1,000 on YouTube. See, like more, tra more traffic after a horrible... Yeah, course. yeah, everybody wants to, to, you know, to come in and, and see what's being said. And, and that podcast was, that was difficult to, to work our way through. You know, it's, it's, it's very hard to... Uh, it's not hard for fans to criticize the team. They just blast away. But it's hard for us to express what we feel is the truth and do it in a respectful uh, and measured way. And, and one of the things that happens when we talk about what we feel is wrong with the program is that there are segments of the fan base that if we say something negative, they're like a dog with a bone. They grab it and run with it and just keep repeating it over and over and over. So there's this, not to turn this into a conversation about us, but there's this responsibility to be careful because I know that everything we say gets blown out of proportion. Uh, so a uh, big, long tangent I went on. Yeah. But anyway, we appreciate everybody's and this, support. And this is a small town. You know, like we see these guys at Kroger and stuff. Yeah. Right. You know, I see Charlie Wiles and Kroger. So it's, it's not it's not like you don't want to go off the rails. If, yeah, if you have us. to be fair. You have to be fair. You know, yeah. and, and – uh, so, so one of the pieces of content we're doing this year that I really like is Chris is doing an inside the numbers piece of content where, you know, we've talked about this. We have a subscription to Pro Football Focus. They do detailed stats for every player for every game. So it, 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 it's a great tool because, number one, it gives you snap counts and grades for every player. 
and it allows you to really, you know, there, there are things that you think you're seeing with your eyes, and, but they add numbers and data to it. And we have opinions about players who should be playing less, players who should be playing more, players who are playing out of position, and the PFF data backs that up. So it's, it's, nice, to, it's nice to express an opinion but be able to back it up with data that's respectful. You can't criticize that. Right. You know, uh, When it's just pure opinion, it, it gets kind of difficult. And, and that's, so that's part of why I'm exhausted is when you have to think about everything you say and type, it, it gets tiring. Absolutely. Well, speaking of the pro football focus, we'll talk about that yeah. a little bit later in the podcast. Again, we're previewing Virginia Tech and Miami coming up this Saturday in South Florida. Let's let's begin the discussion by taking a look at Virginia Tech before we get to Miami. And one of the main discussions on social media and the fans have been talking about on the message boards is who's going to be playing quarterback for Virginia Tech this Saturday. Uh, three of the four quarterbacks that are eligible played in uh, Quincy Patterson, Hendon Hooker, and Ryan Willis against Duke on Friday. Chris who will start on Saturday? It so, sort of sounds like it's going to be Hooker. That, that's sort of the rumor that's around the rumor, town yeah. that's getting thrown around, you know, yeah. and around the fan base. Uh, it could be just that, a rumor. Uh, I'm inclined to think it's probably true. You know, Ryan Willis's strength is his ability to throw the ball downfield. He's got a good arm. That ability is limited when you have a sprained AC joint or whatever it is in your throwing shoulder. Yeah. So that basically takes away his strength. And again, the caveat that this has not been officially announced because this kind of stuff is never officially Correct. announced, but that's what very good sources say. Right. And, uh, you know, it's honestly Hendon Hooker's strength is, is running the football, and he apparently, we've heard, has a torn labrum in his non-throwing shoulder, might even have to have surgery in the offseason if, if the tear is bad enough. Uh, so it's not like he's an ideal candidate, really. If they're going to ask him to run the ball a lot, that shoulder's just going to take a pounding. Yeah. Um, so, and, you know, you can talk about Quincy Patterson, but if they thought Quincy Patterson was ready, honestly, they would have already played him by now. They would do something other than play him for one play and have him run off tackle like, right, he, like right. they've just done over and over and right, over. Right, right. I mean, if I'm not saying Quincy would be the starter or anything, but if he was ready, he would at least be backing up over Hooker, who has a torn labrum, <laughs> right? So, yeah. uh I, th- I think it's one of those two two guys, Hooker or Willis. And it sounds like it's going to be Hooker, but honestly, that that's just that's that's not a solution. And I don't think there is an in-season solution to this. I think whoever you throw out there is going to look bad through some situations now that, that aren't in their control now. You know, Willis he did, he's not he just doesn't function well in this offense even even if he was healthy. And I don't know how advanced Hooker is in the passing game. Uh, I'm not going to judge him this week. I'm not going to judge him this season, I don't think, because of his health. I mean, you, you, you throw a guy out there with a torn labor mm-hmm. in his shoulder at quarterback, maybe you don't run him quite as much as you would as, as you would if he was healthy. So that's taking away his strength. And, you know, he's surrounded by freshmen. So it's, it's just not like a good year to – to evaluate your backup quarterback when you throw him in a game for all those all those reasons, but I, I don't think it matters who plays quarterback. To be to be bluntly honest with you, yeah, this is this is not shaping up well. Uh, you know, the last time Tech went down to Miami, <coughs> excuse me, uh, 
2017, uh, you know, if you can do me a favor and pull up the 2017 schedule and results while I'm talking, because I, I wanted to do, I wanted to research this before we started recording and didn't get a chance to. But a, a friend texted me and said, uh, so one of the things Chris and I always talk about is, uh, and, and this Chris came up with this idea, was that, you know, from 1999, from the time Tech played in the uh, national championship, uh, they were the kind of the darlings of ESPN. They got on TV a lot, had a lot of night games. Tech was, I looked it up the other day, from 99 through 2005, Tech at some point in the season was in the top five every year. Every year. Except 2004. So and six they were in the top of, ten that year. Right. At one, at one point. At one point. Finished in the top ten. So, uh, but that all ended when Miami rolled in here in, in the 2005 season and curb stomped Tech, and it was never quite the same after that. And it was the biggest game in Lane Stadium history, <clears throat> I, would, yeah, I would say. Yeah, and, and Tech tech pooped right there on Lane Stadium on, on Worsham Field. Marcus Fick specifically. <clears throat> so, uh, but a friend of mine texted me and he said, you know, this program was doing great under Fuente until, so tell me that that twenty. 17 Miami gaming in Coral Gables. What was Tech's record and ranking? So Virginia Tech was ranked 13th going into that game. It was the night game on ESPN or ABC, and then Miami was ranked 9th. Going into that game, Virginia Tech was 4, 5, 6. They were 7 and 1. With the one loss to Clemson. So in 2016, you go 10 and 4. Mm-hmm. In uh, 20. 17 you start out seven and one so that's 17 and five to that point for uh, justin fuente mm-hmm. and they finished nine and four in 2017 right but the but 17 and five right and they go down there and they lose now that game i think the score ended up kind of lopsided in it that was 28 game. to 10 the defense played fine uh the offense couldn't couldn't do much um, and, but, the, and the, well, the problem is they left Jackson in there too long, and he got hurt. Well, there, but but before that, there was a critical moment in that game where Jackson hit Sean Savoy, I believe, with a pass down the middle at the goal line, and he was headed towards a touchdown and got hit and fumbled. Right. Um, so, so Tech, I, I agree. My memory is that Tech got just smashed offensively, that they couldn't do much against Miami's defense. So the reason I'm telling this whole story and bringing this up is that what I remember about that game was that the the new configuration of Hard Rock Stadium, I think that's what it's called, was new that year. Mm. And it was a very smart design from the standpoint that the Miami Dolphins and the Miami Hurricanes aren't drawn all that well, but the new design kind of, excuse me, trapped the uh, sound really well. Now, Miami did have a good crowd that night. I think the place might have even been full. So it, it was just a very difficult environment for Virginia Tech, and they kind of they kind of melted down, didn't make plays, and just didn't do well that night. That was two years ago, and for example, you know, Chris has done the research and, and can back me up on this. Uh, Miami's starting three linebackers right now that are juniors or seniors? All seniors. They've all started since they were true freshmen, although one of them doesn't start this year. They've gone with a different style defense. So one of their backup linebackers is a senior with 31 career starts. Wow. And one of their backup defensive ends is redshirt senior Trevon Hill with however many starts. Right. You know? So so this, defensively at least, is a, is a more stout team than the one Tech played in 2017. And Tech was a better team in 2017. So I just – this does not look good. Um, I, 
if you're an optimistic fan, you always want to believe that they're going to pull some sort of rabbit out of a hat. But I just don't think there are many options here, well, and the quarterbacks are too injured. Well, something good has to happen early. <clears throat> um, they obviously sort of packed it in on Friday night when something bad happened early, the yeah. fumble. Um, something good has to happen to him early. Like Miami, that freshman quarterback needs to throw his first interception of the year and Tech needs to score a touchdown off of it. Give them some confidence early in the game. And, the, and you know, if Tech does get down 7-3 to three or 10-3 to three or 10 to nothing or something like that, the defense can't check out. They have to keep playing because this Miami offense is bad. Yeah, It is not good. They cannot run yeah. the football. They've gotten sacked 18 times this year. They have two freshman tackles, is that right? Uh, they have a f- true freshman left tackle who was horrible. and then they have a true According fr- to the PFF grades. According to the PFF grades. <laughs> this kid, this kid yeah, grades well, out. Well, and according low. to my own eyes against Florida, <laughs> yeah. he just got annihilated. Yeah. But, uh, and then the right guard is also a true freshman. He's, 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 done, he's done okay. But, but so, overall, their offensive line is not good, and they're blocking for a redshirt freshman quarterback. Uh, Williams has done well. Jaron Williams has done well when he's had time. Uh, his numbers are pretty good, like 72% completion rate, seven touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, but they, they really struggled offensively against Central Michigan yeah. a couple of weeks ago in their last it, game. They only scored 17 points, had 300 and just 305 yards, something like that. Yeah. Yep, and so, they, this, so this is a game that Virginia Tech can be in this football game. The defense can't check out, though. So you drew the parallel to was it the 2006 game? Yeah, that was just hideous oh, offensively for both football teams. Football back to 1986. But but Tech just hung around and hung around and hung around, and then they got a uh, I don't remember the exact details. They may have gotten a turnover. Flowers got an interception. Yeah, and 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 I and I remember after that that was a game that Tech won with a late touchdown, like 17 to 10. I think you. Oh yeah, it was a Brandon Orr touchdown. Right? Uh, and I remember you know back before YouTube existed and and all these tools existed. I remember watching that play that Tech won the ball game on, um, and it was a combination of Miami just being in the wrong defense and one Miami guy making a bad read and Virginia Tech blocking it perfectly and scoring the winning touchdown, 17-10. to 10. Mm-hmm. And that you brought up the point the other day when we were talking here in the office that that's because even though the offense was in the tank, the defense hung around and hung around and hung around right. and kept them in the game. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit more about Miami a little bit later in the podcast. They also have a solid running game with a guy by the name of uh, DJ Dallas who's gotten a lot yeah. of attention early. And, uh, again, the Hurricanes are 2-2. Two and two. They're coming off a bye. I, w- I want to keep the discussion going, though, about Virginia Tech. And we talked about the quarterbacks being banged up. We we spent Monday kind of as an overview, and I think one of the things from a tough loss was the quarterbacks you know, being banged up. And, again, that's not official, but that is the word on the street about the two. So now looking at the running game, McLeese has one of his best games of the year. He goes over the century mark. About back to back games with a hundred yard rusher for Virginia Tech. Who would have thought King against right. Furman, yeah. and then McLeese against Duke. But the one guy I want to bring up is Caleb Stewart because there was supposed to be about a three man rotation with uh, Jalen Holston going down early in the year. So then it looked like it was King and McLeese. Stewart had seven carries. Is that something that we can expect moving forward to see three guys touch the football? Considering the size of Kashawn King and Deshaun McLeese. I do think they need to get Stewart a little bit of work just to save some wear and tear on those other two guys. So maybe, but it does, just does, it does, he doesn't seem like a, a guy they trust right now. If they're only putting him in there in garbage time in a 35-point blowout, it just doesn't seem like a guy that they trust right now to me. Yeah, so, yeah, the stats are there, but I don't think that really says anything about what they're, what they're going to do. And, and listen, Kashawn King, that fumble, do you, you think it's going to be very much so a clean clean 
sheet moving forward here? And, and uh, if it's not, and they don't want to play Stewart, then you're talking to Sean McLeese and his 180 pound or whatever frame getting 20 or 20 25 carries, carries a yeah, game. That's yeah. not going to work. So there has to be a clean sheet. No, 100%. Let's, uh, so quickly then from the running backs to the receivers. Now that Damon Hazleton had a game back, of course, he did have that touchdown and quote unquote when the game was out of reach. Right. But considering that he did play, would you say that tech receivers are at full strength for the first time this season going into Miami? I guess. Um, Except, is there I, something going on with Trey Turner? Right. Because there's talk of him being out this game. What, what did Jafar Williams say the other day in the press conference? If we have him, we'll have him, or something like that. Right. So, um, I, I think uh, I, well, missed, I missed the question that prompted that response, but a reporter may have heard a rumor and asked about it. Well, the, the Turner, Turner, like Hazleton, has had a hamstring injury since the preseason. Right. The only difference is he's played and Hazleton hasn't. Um, you saw Turner come up grabbing his hamstring against Boston College. Uh, so, he hasn't been 100%. So it would not surprise me if he missed the game. It wouldn't surprise me if he played. I don't know, but it just doesn't sound particularly promising to me. And he's had a down year anyway, maybe because of that hamstring. Maybe he just hasn't had quite the explosiveness. I don't know. Or, or maybe the fact that he hasn't had Damon Hazleton on the other side of him for most of the year has limited his, his effectiveness. Um, yeah, hard to but say. So it's, you know, Tech's, Virginia Tech's two best outside receivers are Damon Hazleton and Trey Turner. And we've had them, haven't had them together for a full game because Hazleton, neither guy played a full game against Duke, and so here we are going into the fifth game, and you know even if Ryan Willis was 100% healthy, he hasn't had his two best receivers on the field together all year. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's looking like Virginia Tech is bringing a knife to a gunfight. Yeah, it's that's it's pretty accurate. Quickly, what, you know, Damon Hazleton, the the minutes that he did get on the field against Duke what what did you see from him did he, did he look comfortable out there to you in his return to the <laughs> he caught one pass for 72 yards that's all I can tell you that uh that game for me is just kind of a, a white wall of, oh yeah of, I don't of I... emotion and <laughs> and I, I talked about this on the message boards um I I had, a, I had a really busy weekend I won't get into why had family in town and we had things to do and um so I didn't get a chance to really sit down and rewatch the game till about eight o'clock Sunday night and I actually think I said this on the podcast the other day. I only watched the first quarter and a half. Um, and then I saw something like, I don't need to watch this anymore. So that's one, I'll admit that's one game I really haven't had a chance to uh, review. I'm not going to, probably ever. I'll put it this way. The, high, the highest grader on offense, according to PFF, was, was uh, uh, Caleb Stewart. And uh, his grade was like a 67.8. Really, and that was on seven plays. On seven plays. And that was the highest grader on offense. So no, I think it's safe to assume that nobody on offense played well. So there and you we'll, go. Well, nobody was comfortable Let, in let's, anything. Uh, let's go ahead and transition <laughs> to defense because you were getting a lot of love on social media for something that you found because of Pro Football Focus, and right. uh, I'll let you kind of take it from here. But oh, well. Alan Tisdale mm-hmm. uh, and the numbers that he's put together this year, I think uh, the numbers I ran in yesterday's article, Alan Tisdale. I think my qualifiers were 50, sna- 50, 50, 50, 50, 50 snaps or more, 
Um, and I don't remember if it was Power Five schools or, or all schools, but but it may know, have been FBS. It might have been. I think it was FBS schools. So 130 schools. If you're a linebacker and you've played 50 plus defensive snaps this year, there are 254 linebackers who fit that criteria in the country. And Tisdale so far is the second highest grader amongst those 254. He's played in 57 plays, so it's one of the smaller sample size right. of that mm. of that group, but. He's played well when he's gotten the opportunity. Um, and in general, he's not been a garbage-time player. He's been – when correct. he has played, it's right, been right. – they, they played him a lot against Boston College, and he graded out well. Then they didn't play him really at all. Uh, they didn't play him at all against ODU. I think he got like one or two snaps against Furman. And then, and he, then, and then he split reps 50-50 with Dax the exactly other night. Exactly 50-50. He, he and Dax had the same number of snaps. And, and the grades aren't close. Um, uh, didn't, didn't Tisdale grade out at a 90? 90.1 Dax was a 55.0 right um, so, so th- this isn't a Dax bashing fest by the way right because Dax is a great hokey uh works really hard he's a team leader the guy's playing out of position he's he's playing backer the, he's he's what probably Rayshard Ashby would look like if you moved him to backer it's just not a natural fit and, and you have seen Rayshard Ashby in, Ashby in space a few times right and, and it doesn't look good it, it doesn't mean, belong right. out there both those guys should be inside the tackle box linebackers yeah. they, they both need to be playing Mike right uh last year I thought it was completely acceptable to play Dax at the backer spot because he probably was the best backer on the team there was no true backer on the team yeah. last year mm. Uh, there is one true backer on the team right now, and it's Alan Tisdale, and he's playing like it. So, to me, I, that means if the only reason is you moved Ax, that you moved Axe to backer in the first place is because he was the best player there, he was your only guy who could fit there, then that do- that doesn't hold water anymore because you have a player who can play there now, and Dax doesn't have to play out of position anymore. I would move Dax back to Mike. And either get him some playing time behind Rayshard Ashby or just redshirt him. Redshirt, and preferably. And, of course. No. <laughs> yeah, always be redshirt. Right? <laughs> so, so those of you who play the drinking game, whenever Chris says redshirt, uh, you drink. I know it's only yeah, 10.03 in the morning, but go ahead. There's nothing wrong with day drinking. <laughs> it's 5 o'clock somewhere. Yeah, maybe not on Wednesday. So Tisdale stood out, and then before we – kind of wrap up Virginia Tech it's worth bringing up Deshaun Crawford and I know oh, in the inside yeah. the numbers article uh, he'll be featured a guy who's a Juco guy uh, in, on the defensive line yeah. how has he progressed and how is he great he's now? everything I thought he would be um, just a really good fit for our system he plays really hard when we talk about and the, keep in mind this is not just us saying this Bud Foster said this after the game Justin Fuente said this in it after the game and I think on his Monday press conference they mentally checked. The defense mentally checked out. But both sides of the ball, but you could specifically see a drop-off in defensive play after, after Duke took the lead, and they didn't respond to adversity. Collectively, that's true. Now, there were some individual performances that were quite good. Deshaun Crawford played till the end of the game and stayed mentally engaged. Uh, Taiwan Garbutt did, too. He played a good game in his first game back from injury after only playing – six games against Boston College. So it was good to have those two guys back. I, I love Crawford. Uh, you know, nobody wanted him out of high school. He was a defensive player of the year in the state of Mississippi, but he was a 250-pound defensive tackle. This sounds like an old-school Virginia Tech recruit, right? I know. It's kind of uh, – It sounds, sounds like, Jack, sounds like Jack Tyler, except he's a defensive tackle instead of a linebacker. Well, Just undersized and nobody wanted him. Sounds like Corey Moore, right, except so, he was a tiny defensive end. Right, so he had to go Juco. And – Two years at JUCO, he you know he got up to around 270 pounds. Was originally committed to Troy, still on the small side, 
Uh, but, you know, small defensive tackles, you know, they can have success in Virginia Tech's system. So, and Tech needed a guy, so they took him. He's up to 290 now. It's worked out really, really well. Um, I think he's a good player. Um, we've had 11 to Sean Crawford's. You know, we, to beat. yeah, we, we, you know, we or sit here and we, excuse me, we need them both. On both sides <laughs> <of the ball. laughs> so, we, so we sit here and we talk about, you know, and we spent a lot of time Monday talking about possible staff changes and things like that. Um, th- this team is struggling right now, but I, I see some pieces that, that you can build on. Absolutely. Uh, uh, I think Gar- Garbutt's good. <clears throat> Obviously, Crawford is good. Tisdale with the proper player development. I've, I like Jamari Connor, Caleb yeah. Farley, Jermaine Waller. I like all those guys for the most yeah. part. Jalen Griffin. And I mean, then, I think under the right tutelage next year, our defense has a chance to be really good. <laughs> David Blackwell. Was, David was, Blackwell, David come on down. Yep. You know, Mari Barno just waiting to play that bandit uh-huh. position. The bandit. Um, so it's we, we have been uh, critical of defensive recruiting over the last few years, and especially this year. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is there's a lot of tools there to work with. Right. There are. Um so I feel pretty good about that. As far as Crawford goes, you know, people have probably noticed that I've changed my tune about recruiting recently and how this takes a specific type of player. You know, highly touted players obviously can succeed at Virginia Tech. It's happened plenty of times before. But in general, our program is built on the Deshaun Crawford types. You know, Deshaun Crawford came from junior college. Some of those junior colleges, they don't even have A.C., in the locker room. Well, it gets back to what Buzz, he, Buzz Williams said about JUCO guys. Right, is, right. And, and go ahead. And yeah, exa- exactly right. So, where a regular recruit might come on a visit to Virginia Tech and think, oh, man, their football facilities aren't as good as NC State's or Clemson's. And they don't have a $250,000 or $250 million facility with an actual beach on Lake Michigan like Northwestern of all teams Crazy. has these days. Virginia Tech Re- doesn't have any of that stuff. Research, is it called Northwestern's football facility Just, or something? Yeah, new $250 million football facility. Crazy. It's insane. It's it's shouldn't even be legal, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um so But you get guys like Crawford. If you find guys like that, they don't care about stuff like that. And if, if there's been any kind of failing in the, in the Fuente era, is it, it, it's, a, it's a failure to identify players who maybe don't or maybe they've signed a few too many guys who maybe don't fit Virginia Tech's culture who are looking for something else. I, I would uh, expand it to um, we're talking about uh, football culture. Any team would love to have guys like that, you know. Boise State continues to be a top 25 football program, right. just building their program around guys like that. Well, yeah, Wisconsin, all the time recruits between the 35th and 45th ranked classes. Yeah. You know, if we signed the 45th ranked class, our fans would be ready to fire the coaches for bad recruiting, right? And, mm. and, I, and I go back to player development. I go back to Danny Pierman. And all Danny Pierman has de- did is develop players like Jeff King. And he was, he was the tight ends and offensive tackles coach. So Dwayne Brown also. So it's really good football players. He got fired for not being able to recruit. Couldn't recruit, right? Chris is doing air quotes. Right, right. I'm doing air quotes for people listening. <laughs> for people just uh, listening. You know what? That's the, the day he got fired by Frank Beamer is the best day of his life. You know where he is now? The assistant head coach at Clemson making five hundred grand a year. How about that, man? Couldn't recruit at Virginia Tech. Dude could coach. So – when, our, when Virginia Tech's offense got, got worse after the 2005 season, it just dropped off a cliff, is when they ran off all the guys that could coach and replaced them with guys who could recruit. Could, could recruit Re- oh, so they ran, Kevin Rogers left. Tony Ball left. 
Uh, Kevin Rogers, who coached in the NFL, and I've always heard that he said off the record that Danny Pierman was the best offensive coach on that staff, and we ran him off because he couldn't recruit. And guess what? Those guys finished outside the top 100 in total offense three years in a row after that. So be careful what you wish for when you want to get a an ace recruiter. Right? Lots they, of they, air quotes. They, they, they got to <laughs> be able. They got to be able to coach and develop talent at Virginia Tech. That's the number one thing. Lots of air quotes being used by CC. That'll take us to a timeout here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. We'll step aside, and when we come back, we take a quick look at Miami. We get to predictions, and we'll get to your questions as well on Facebook. This is the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Here at Fisher Law Firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go Hokies. Welcome back to the Tech Sideline Podcast presented each and every week by the Fisher Law Firm. We've got Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes producing, Will Stewart on set with Chris Coleman. I'm Evan Hughes. We, we did talk about Miami a little bit earlier in the podcast. The Hurricanes uh, are 2-2 two and two on the year. They're coming off of a bye week as they get set to take on the Hokies at 3.30 on Saturday. Uh, the, the identity of this team, clearly defense with Manny Diaz, a defensive coordinator, now the head coach. No so many talented players returning on that defensive side of the ball. Guys like Shaq Quarterman, G. Hall, Michael Pickney, uh, lots of talent on the defensive side. Yeah, lots of talent, lots of experience, lots of experience. I mean, you got senior backups. Trevon Hill's a backup. Trevon Hill was Virginia Tech's best defensive lineman, right? He's a backup for Miami. He's got two tackles for loss and one sack on the year. Yeah, he's not racking up a lot of right, stats. Right, right. Uh, he's a good player. Absolutely. It wouldn't shock me if they like gave him like a token start this week and let him play the majority of the reps. <laughs> that guy's head might explode. <laughs> uh, no, I do think Virginia Tech would be wise to, you know, maybe try some misdirection stuff at him because I think he's going to be fired up and challenge his discipline in this right. game. Right. Um, see if you can't get a 15-yard penalty or, or, or see if he heads up field on a draw play and then you run it right inside of him and things like that. I'm grasping at straws here. Uh, just trying, man. So I'm, I'm trying to envision a way that Virginia Tech is going to score against Miami. And so I actually it, just can't picture it in my mind. I'm not saying they're going to get shut out. I'm not picking them to get shut out. They will they scored a touchdown against Duke when Duke blew a coverage. That's the only way Tech scored a touchdown against Duke. But it's, it's hard to get shut out. I mean, Tech hasn't been shut out since 1995. Um, Correct, the Cincinnati game. Right. I mean, they even scored in that And I believe game. that's the fourth or fifth longest streak in the country right, of, of having scored in games. It is. Um, now, this is actually a candidate this week for to the streak coming to an end. So, you remember, was it the 2014 Miami game where uh, it was, I think, 31, 31 to nothing? And Mark Leal. It was 30 th to nothing on our last drive of the game. Yeah, Mark Leal threw a touchdown pass to, I believe, Isaiah Ford to keep that streak alive Link. with some, yeah. some, something like a minute left to go in the game. Mm -hmm. And, of course, everybody knows about the Wake Forest game where they had to go to overtime and kick a field goal. Yeah, that was fun times. So uh, that, that, Same season, 2014, right? Yeah, that was both in the same season. Yeah, golly, Ned. that image of Coach Beamer with his hands in the air after the uh, going to overtime. Well, I, I remember writing my Monday column after that, and, and <laughs> I just the, the heart of that column was, and here's where we are. 
a, a Hall of Fame coach who built this program is being mocked and ridiculed. Yeah. And that was 2014, and it went on for another year. He didn't get mocked and ridiculed the following year, you know. But uh, if, if I remember correctly, that Wake Forest game was the one that really ramped up the conversation the, for – The best thing about that pitcher is whenever we play Wake Forest in basketball – Somebody always adjusts because Virginia Tech always beats Wake Forest in basketball, right? Because you know Wake is just really so they'll put the basketball. So put the there. basketball score up there, and Beamer's doing that. And it looks <laughs> a lot better when it's Virginia Tech ninety-one, Wake Forest eighty-three. It just looks. By, much by the way, man, way. <laughs> we, we need to do us a basketball podcast at at some point. Uh, yeah, because practice has started. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and I don't know if Mike Young's going to be doing regular press conferences or what. I don't know how that's going to work. Yet, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and I really I wanted to get this podcast operation with the video and everything really ramped up and and uh, you know try to try to get Mike in here I'll ju- I'll just put it out there I would love to have Mike Young come in here and sit down that's the whole point of uh, one of the whole points of doing all this video and this sort of setup is to not just sit around and the three of us talk but get other people in here you know and get get Whit Babcock in here and get uh, get Mike Young and guys I like that I don't think Whit's going to come on this week. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no. But you know, I've interviewed Whit before. Whit, Whit knows he can trust us. Yeah, yeah. That, that yeah, doesn't mean sure. we want to ask him the hard questions, but you know, we're not going to We're not going to come in here and grill him. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Uh quickly wrapping things up before we get to the questions we we talked about Miami's quarterback and um and Jaron Williams you know a guy that was not projected to be the starter at the beginning of the year a lot of people thought it was Tate Martell's job to lose or yeah. maybe they'll go to Nikosi Perry who's played before uh 72 percent of his passes completed 1027 yards seven touchdowns no picks seems like the kind of guy who, who knows the offense and runs yeah. it well yeah does a good job uh I think he would probably do it well I think I know he would be doing better if he had a good offensive line in front of him. Yeah, um, I think it says something about their offensive coaching staff that that he that they put in in a position to produce those kinds of stats. Dan Enos is our offensive coordinator, and he's regarded as being a very good coach. Yeah. Um, so I think he's done a good job. I wish Virginia Tech had a natural pass rusher on the defensive line, particularly at, at right end. Um, if anybody gets a sack from the right end position, I. Th- I think you would think it would probably be Griffin because he's the best athlete there. Uh, so I might would play him a lot this year because the Tech's right end will be matching up against that true freshman left tackle for Miami, who, by the way, was like a middle-of-the-road three-star recruit. It's not like he was a big five-star recruit or something. So they're literally throwing a guy in there who has no business playing. So it's shocking to me that Miami ha- can't find anybody else to play left tackle. Uh, that just doesn't make any sense. Is is have you did you look it up, up on PFF and he's grading poorly and that's why you say that? Yes. Yeah. Well, okay. and then watch him against in that first game that's against right. Florida. That's right. We weren't over. That. I mean, yeah. I haven't seen him since. I'll admit that. I, I, but, but, I don't but, know. but the offensive line as a whole, they've allowed 18 sacks. That's a lot. Uh, Miami's averaging against against non FCS teams. I think Miami's they're averaging like 2.9 yards per carry. Or something like that. I, I think that's I would, a number up I put in my game preview. I would again send Chamari Connor off the edge and, and try to try to get yeah, that get, 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 get those offensive go down tackles there and get, and get after these guys and, and yeah. try to force some turnovers because to me that's the, your only chance to win the football games if you turn them over on yeah. a short field um, and and you know give give the offense a chance on a short field. I don't think you can sit back. Gosh, it was a play you put in your Monday thoughts and you put it in there for one reason. I'm bringing it up for another reason. It was a second and 15, and 
Virginia Tech had four down linemen. They dropped a defensive end back in the coverage. So it was just three down linemen. The defensive backs dropped all the way back. I guess they were pretty sure they were in – I guess they were in man coverage. And it was just so much room for the quarterback to run on second and 15. Quentin Quentin Harris bailed out of the pocket and picked up 13 yards, making it a three. There was nobody there because there were only three guys rushing and everybody else was downfield in coverage. It's just too easy for a guy who, who can run. And, and somewhere Thad Lewis is going, hey, where was that when I was quarterbacking? Right, right, exactly. There, there was there was a year where Virginia Tech almost killed Thad Lewis yeah. because they were just coming after him. Just, you need to go down to Miami and get after these guys. Put pressure on those, those freshman linemen and that freshman quarterback. Make them make quick decisions. And you're not going to do that by, when it's second and 15, by dropping eight guys back in coverage. Um because that guy's, just, if he's smart, he's just going to scramble for a first down or de- or decent yardage. So and I want I want to see. I'm not expecting anything out of this game. Right. I, absolutely nothing. Uh, what I expect is the only thing I expect really is I want us to be more aggressive defensively, and I want us to not mentally tank it. Yeah. Hang in there. If, if yeah, just so, hang in so, there. so if you're aggressive on defense and you wind up giving up a big play, well then come right back and keep doing it. You know, don't go in the tank. Don't go in the tank. I mean, look, this is a game that or the line opened at eight and a half. Within five minutes it jumped to Miami eleven and a half. Yeah, it went to thirteen I, it, later. I don't know. It's it's probably still too low. I don't know why it opened at eight and a half. That's easy money. That's silly. Um <laughs> <laughs> but Vegas hasn't caught up yet. Gosh, gosh <laughs> they're crazy. But uh just keep go just keep keep attacking. Just keep attacking because if you if you get beat deep, if you give up a touchdown because of your aggressiveness, that's fine. Look, you're probably going to lose a football game, but at least give yourself a chance to go down there and create some havoc and force some turnovers. And, and players respond to that sort of stuff right, right. anyway. You're not going to win a game when you're on your heels, right? you got to put your, your, your front foot forward. Uh, you know, you got to put them on their heels, so to speak. Yeah. So go down there and try to put their offense on its heels. That's your only chance to win the football game. All right, well, you kind of got to where we're heading now, what you're ex- expecting for this game. We'll close with this before we get to questions, uh, predictions for this game with a score. Throwing it to me first. Okay. Lead us off, CC. All right. I think I picked it 31-10, to 10, my uh, I was going to pick 31-7. We do this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are so – I know it's <laughs> – we, we, we both picked Duke to, uh, Virginia Tech to score 17 against Duke. Even though you picked Tech to win and I picked him to lose, we both – no, wait a second. I, I went seven. higher than 17. No, we both – well, we both picked Duke. No, I was wrong. I was wrong. Yeah. You picked Duke to score 20. I picked him to score 17. So, even when we were differed with our opinions, we are pretty close <clears throat> as far as – In scores. some ways, yeah. In some ways, yeah. I think Tech's defense will play better. Uh I think Miami's offense is obviously more talented than Duke's, but they've got don't have nearly the experience. So I think Tech's defense, if they come out aggressive and they keep their minds right, they'll play a good football game. I don't think they're going to get put in good position by the offense. I think they're going to be on the field a lot. Um, so will they mentally break or will they not? I'm inc- inclined to think they'll do a better job of that this week. I, I, I just I just think they will, but I, I don't see. I don't see how Tech's going to be able to score unless they get a lot of short fields and Miami turns it over a whole lot. I just I can't see how anybody could possibly pick Virginia Tech in this game. I can't can't even unless Miami screws it up. I can't see how it even be close. Usually we can see a path to victory, and I don't really see I one don't here. See one you know, either. it's a number thirteen defense in the country. 
playing at home at their place. It's not a true night game. It starts at 3.30. Um, it's not even going to be dark by the time this game ends. That that uh, 2017 game we were referencing was a night game. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'll, you know, a score somewhere along the lines of that. Uh, now, if this thing snowballs and becomes a 40 or 50 point outing for Miami, that's a really bad thing. Um, because I think Tech's defense, if it stays in the game, is good enough to keep this thing close and manageable. Yeah. But but if they – I think what I'm trying to say is if what we saw against Duke happens down at Miami, it's going to be worse than 45 to 10. It's, although it's hard to imagine. Hard to imagine it being worse than 45. Yeah, What's I'm, worse I'm than not, 45 sure to 10? Miami's 50? offense is good enough to be worse – to make it worse than that, that. but mm, but yeah but we're our tech let me also add tech has to be good on special teams this game late in the third quarter last year was 24 to 14 miami yeah. tech, tech was hanging in there they were playing pretty well defensively um and they actually led that game 14 to 10 at, at one point yeah. um then they coughed up some special teams plays right? jeff thomas returned a punt for a touchdown to make it 31 to 14 with about five minutes left in the third quarter and that was it uh, Jeff Thomas is still their return man. Yeah. He's a legit four three forty guy, really fast. So look for him on offense as their kick returner and their punt returner. Can't give up a big play on special teams to him. If you do, that's just tossing them seven free points, and Virginia Tech cannot afford to give anybody free points. Yeah. So did you have the same score prediction as? Chris? Yeah, pretty much. You know, I'll, I'll when we do something our game like preview that. later today, I'll I'll put a number on a it. A tease to go to like techsideline.com later in the day. There Correct. you go. Yes, Let's, come to techsideline.com to see how many points Will Stewart thinks we're going <laughs> to Yeah, that's yeah. an incentive. That's a draw. <laughs> <laughs> Let's turn it over to Malcolm Stewart, our producer behind the scenes. Malcolm, uh, how's it going, and uh, what's going on on Facebook today? It's going well. Uh, Don Mason actually asked about something I already wanted y'all's opinion on. Have you seen the college game day crew? video about oh absolutely yeah. Yeah. so that has been removed from twitter yeah i was gonna say I oh it was it. it's been it's been deleted it was hokey fillmore i think who tweeted it out i'm not even sure where he got it. It, it i think it was off of chris fowler's instagram or something like that all right it, huh. is, it is fowler and herb street and the bear on a plane Had uh, to be. you know i and they, they wow how do i put this Herb Street at, le- at least looked like he'd had a few, <laughs> and uh, not 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 egregiously so, but he wasn't his normal Herbie self. So Fowler starts out by by saying, you know, what what is going on down in Blacksburg, and and he turns the camera on Herb Street, and Herb Street gets gets these really big guys and get and says quietly, it's bad, oh, it's bad. You know, and, and then they talk about Virginia Tech getting smoked forty five to ten. So what what was the actual question, Malcolm? Uh, just how bad of a look was it? What did you think? Oh, of that was a bad. It was a bad look. I mean, but it, it was spoken. These guys have an affection for Virginia Tech. They do, and, and they re, it was them saying, "Hang in there, Tech fans." Yeah, you know. I mean, it was 24 months ago when they were in Blacksburg for game day for uh, tw- Clemson. Clemson, right? just yeah. 24 months ago. It was just 12 months ago where they probably would have been in Blacksburg for game day if Tech had beaten Old Dominion. Right. They would have been there for, for the uh, Notre, Notre Dame, Dame. game. Yeah. It would have been two top ten teams. I can imagine that. That twelve months ago. Yeah. Um. So, I, I don't know. I, I I just 
it, it, you're throwing fuel on the fire at, at that point. But uh, what's that I, Dirk's Bentley song? Drunk on a plane. <laughs> uh, that's sort of what that. <laughs> that's sort of what I thought when I first saw the video. Yeah, when I saw Herb Street, I was like, okay, <laughs> you work hard. You deserve a, a, a good time on the plane on the way home. Oh my gosh. What else, Malcolm? What else we got? That was a great question. Quick shout out to Dave Deserbo. He found it. It's still on Twitter somewhere. Oh, okay. So oh. he linked it in the Facebook chat. Okay, so he linked it in the Facebook chat, and uh, <laughs> I guess, you know, uh, if you want to, he could put it on Instagram or something. Uh, it's on me, Twitter. Oh, he will. Yeah. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll, it'll be available, and you can find it. We'll put it that way. Uh, do you think we'll see a more balanced offense this weekend? No. If they, if they play hooker. <laughs> if he, they play hooker, I mean, they're going to try to run the football. They probably shouldn't with his injured shoulder, but they probably shouldn't try to throw it either because I don't think he's <laughs> so that kind of. what are you going to do? Yeah, there's nothing you can do at this point. Right. St- stop thinking yeah. about this year. I mean, it's just there's not a button you can push that's going to turn this season around, I don't think. And so, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about this, but I do want to counsel tech fans. Um, it, you're, you're not used to looking at this. I get it. It's right. It's been a long time since Virginia Tech was getting pounded like this, and it looked like a 3-9 and nine or 4-8 and eight season. Um, you know, these things happen. This season's not good. Uh, I don't, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Uh, just as, as silly as this sounds, relax, okay? Yeah. Nothing, there is no quick fix for this. There is no magic wand. When Fuente did the press conference the other day, the reporter started asking him, you're going to change up this, change up that. And his answer was basically no. You, you could there, There's no quick fixes here, right, guys. Right, right. And that doesn't mean he's not going to change anything at the end of the season. Because Frank Beamer went to the very last interview of the 2012 season saying no changes, no changes, no changes, and then boom, fired everybody. And then he cleaned you know, You're not going to say that in the middle of the season yeah. because you don't want your current coaches to quit coaching. Okay, so he's not going to say anything about the future right now during the middle of the season. So don't expect him to do that because he wants the guys he, the assistants he has right now to stay engaged. So slow your roll. Right. Take it easy on the coach and the players as easy as you can. I know this is emotional stuff if you have a lot of time and money invested in the program. But take the long view, okay? Right. All right. That's, that then, would be my this is, Welcome to how 95% of college football has lived so, I mean, I mean, Tech has been to a bowl 25 years in a row, something like that. 26, 26. You so, know, I mean, even even your really good programs out there, like Michigan State went 3-9 and nine one year. It uh, happens. It happens. It was right uh, after they made the college football playoff, I believe. Yeah, they the year after that. Yeah, right. They lost Connor Cook. They lost a bunch of their so players. So they go from the nine. playoffs to 3-9. and nine. Yeah, so. Uh, I mean, so, the, the, there's more. College football is more volatile these days. It's harder to be consistent because – Everybody knows who the best recruits are for the most part. So it becomes much more of a crapshoot with all these summer camps and everything like that. You know, your top 100 guys, you're not going to find too many James Andersons at the two-star status anymore. That's how the program was built. It, 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 so it's a lot harder to be consistent unless you can re- recruit top 100 players consistently, which I don't think Virginia Tech can do. So only a few programs, can. only a very few programs can. So that's why every other program in the country these days, except for Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, is pretty inconsistent. Georgia. Georgia yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so uh, 
so we're doing, uh, if you've been on the website, you've seen us promo this. We're doing a big tailgate up at uh, Notre Dame with an outfit called Tailgate the Bend. Right. So if you want to find out more about it, uh, Google Tailgate the Bend Tech Sideline. Notre Dame's another example, man. That, so year, that get- year, Virginia Tech won in South Bend 2016. They were no- bad. Notre Dame went 5-7. and seven. Well, I thought it was 4-8. and eight. Maybe it was 4-8. and eight. But they were not a good football Yeah, I think team. you were right. I think they were 4-8. and eight. Guess so, what? Like two years later, they were in the playoffs. So we're so we're promoting this Dame. tailgate, and we're we're working with the guys at Tailgate the Bend, and uh, so we got in this uh, email conversation yesterday, and we've we've sold like I don't know 120, 130 tickets, and that's fantastic. it. Fantastic. And they they usually get massive crowds for these tailgates that they do for visiting teams, like seven hundred fifty, a thousand people. So I, I told him, I said, sorry, it's not going better, but Tech fans are in a big funk right now, you know, and I said. If they keep playing like this, you'll see it when Tech comes up there. They're just not a good football team right now. And he said, oh, I get it. That was Notre Dame in the entire 2000s, cycling through coaches and pointing fingers. You know, so yeah, this, this is college football. This is what it means to be a fan. This is your program. You've always been here. You'll be here afterwards. You know, you the fans are the one constant in all of this. You know, so – it's not fun when this sort of thing happens, but, you know, hang in there. And I thought that was a great way you closed your, your Monday Thoughts articles. Yeah, it was What, what you said yeah. right there. And I don't want to get preachy, and I'm not wagging my finger. I'm just saying, you've never been through this before. I get it. Most, yeah, yeah. Of, most of you, the last time Virginia Tech fired a coach because the team was bad was 1977. I wasn't alive. Right. Uh, and I he was, wasn't alive. I was, thir- I was 75% of yeah. our room right now wasn't alive. You right. were in high school, right? I was 13, they so were 13. I was in middle school. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, next thing, Malcolm. Uh, what are the chances we lose Pal to PSU now that they've offered? I would guess pretty high. Oh, I, th- I think so. That's Tyreen Pal. I think recruit- any anything from a recruiting standpoint is is fluid right now. So I mean, I certainly think it, it's possible. I mean, he doesn't know who his defensive coordinator is going to be. At what, what position does he he'll, play? He'll, I don't. He's either safety, linebacker, maybe whip. Right. Uh, one of those spots. One. Of, he's a versatile guy. Um, good player. I think he was the one who was on a car wreck last year and kind of missed a lot of his junior year, and so he didn't get evaluated a lot. Um, I I think anything could happen with, with defensive recruiting. Now, now it's technically true that you don't know who your defensive coordinator is going to be at any school you go to, yeah. right? Because guy, you never know when a guy could leave. But they know Bud Foster's leaving, right? And that hire's not getting made till December. The vultures are circling. Right, Penn State's they, a they've very been good at the vulture routine. They've been circling this class forever. Yeah. I mean, we have straight up heard from someone who has been in a Penn State staff meeting that Franklin is like, all right, now make sure when we're recruiting against Virginia Tech, you point out that Bud Foster's contract is expiring and you don't know who uh, their defensive coordinator is going to be. And that was before he, now, announced, his was before he announced his so retirement. So Tech has been having to deal with this for months and months and months. So you ask us, what are the chances? Pff, we don't I, know. We just know that Penn State's really good at that recruiting part of the Right, of the right. And they've got a lot of ammunition right now. And Justin Fuente has no ammunition to fire back with. When a recruit comes to him and says, Penn State says, you don't know who the defensive coordinator is going to be. What's he supposed to say? Because he doesn't. And he's not going to. If he does, he's not going to tell a recruit. Right. Right. And right. Exactly. Uh, and you can't hire anybody at this point anyway. So it's just it's a bad situation, and there's nothing anybody can do about it until the season ends. We're just in a giant holding pattern 
until that comes up. And I know people are going to try to come up with off-the-wall solutions and say they should do that, they should do this. No, there's nothing they can do, Yeah, literally. You just got to let things play out. So we're up to about an hour, right? Um, You want to do one more? Yeah, we we have one more, Malcolm. Yeah. uh, What's your over-under on Trayvon's sack total for Saturday? (laughs) I think Uh, over-under is one and a half. Is it? There's actually a line. Well, that, for it. that's no, that's me off the top of my head. Oh, yeah, I would agree with that. You, yeah. you, he's probably going to have one. So what you're really asking is, is, is he going to have <laughs> is two he or have more? Two. Right. Um, so one and a half. Yeah. That's two. The two and a half is too high for any player these days. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, one and a half is about right. right yeah. So that's your over under. Right, well, I'm, I'm not going to pick one of them. I'm not going to pick one. <laughs> but that's your over under. Thanks to everybody as always on Facebook for, for providing some great feedback and some great comments. Uh, always enjoy getting to those at the end of the podcast. And as we always do, always we, the, we actually need to dedicate like almost an entire podcast to just questions. Just questions. Some, yeah. Absolutely. Talk We've for about so 15 great. minutes, let some questions spool up, and then have at it. Uh, always the toughest question on the podcast. CC, what's coming up on Tech Sideline this week? <sighs> Brandon Patterson sent an article. I'll be posting that later today. Uh, our game preview will be up later today of our usual true freshman report tomorrow and then a Friday Q&A and there'll be some various other things thrown in there. Lots of stuff. I've got to get everything done tomorrow in time for the playoff game, which starts at 5. Good luck to your Braves. Yeah, appreciate it. Wishing you luck. Yeah. So, so we need, we do need to, uh, we need to start doing some wrestling coverage, and we need to start doing some basketball coverage. Uh, that's not going to happen this week, but uh, those are the next areas we're going to be moving. That's into. on the horizon for sure. Latter yeah. part of October. Yeah, Virginia Tech still hasn't announced when basketball media day is going to be yet. So yeah, so we'll, we'll have I'm a better probably, idea I'm, I'm of basketball coverage yeah. when that happens. Fantastic. Well, gentlemen, as always, appreciate your time. Great times, and we'll look forward to doing it again on Monday. All right. All right, thanks. All right, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Hokies and Hurricanes, 3.30 kick in South Florida. Enjoy the game, and we will talk about the game on Monday, right back here Monday morning on the Tech Sideline Podcast. For our producer, Malcolm Stewart, our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder, and head honcho, Will Stewart. I'm Evan Hughes, podcast host saying so long. This has been the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by the Fisher Law Firm.